Hey everyone, welcome back to Tales of Recovery, Recuperando la Vida. This is Gris Alves, your host and creator of this podcast that is all about recovering what is your birthright to have, recovering the life that you, that we all want to have, right? A life of peace, of joy, of purpose, of calm. And the, the, I've been in, I started my recovery, quote unquote, process, <laughs> or, you know, legit recovery in, when I was 25 years old, because I think we begin to recover our life since we're little, knowing that something's up and, you know, um, you're trying to do things different, but the systems, the family, the culture can be very oppressive. And if you're a very sensitive human, like most of us are, well, it can be hard. And so... At 25 years old is when I um, decided, okay, I don't really think that this drinking myself out every night because I don't want to feel this shame, this pain, this anything, uh, well, all the emotions that I was not really aware of that I could have contact with since I was little, five, six, seven-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old, anybody, anybody that drinks to... Um, to escape, right, to, to escape the pain or to avoid or to just numb out or to get distracted knows that it's because there's just um, so much sorrow, so much, there's just something in there, in the body, in the emotions that we just don't know how to deal with. There's no emotional intelligence <laughs> because it wasn't taught to us. And so the evolution part of the recovery, and this is probably maybe just my evolution of recovery, I'm sure there's lots of different modalities, but um, there's, a, there's a 12 steps that is like the typical, you know, go to the rehab, go to the 12 steps. And that is a system of circles, of listening, of being heard. You're not supposed to get interrupted. So it does work very much like ancient, um, you know, Back in the day, women would gather around the fire in circles and share its stories and listen to each other. It's the same kind of modality. Uh, not all of them. Some of the meetings are more like you come up to the podium and people are out there listening. But the ones that I would go to were always in circle. Everyone had a chance to share. And then everybody had, like you shared whatever the theme was or whatever was in your heart, whatever was you were struggling with. Then the next person shared. And nobody could interrupt you and tell you what to do and it was just a very interesting exercise of listening very powerful because we don't really know how to listen we just want to talk and be heard and tell people what to do so when these groups and this is the way I lead all of the women's circles now I mean so many people do it like this you know you pass the talking stick <laughs> it's your turn to share if you want what's in your heart what's in your mind what your emotions are, are saying, the messages that are coming. And this is a, an interesting point because I don't believe we're taught to do this when we're young. You're told what to feel, what to do, who to go say hi and kiss to, how to be polite, how to perform. And it's rare, even though we we're beginning this new consciousness era, there's a lot of mothers that I know do this, a lot of families that are doing aware, and they're very cool with the kids, but for the most part it is, you know, don't, I mean, children are meant to be seen and not heard philosophy, or they're meant to be like these little amazing trophies that, you know, give you power 
um, because they're so cute. So we're pimping out our kids and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's fun. I don't know. But as long as we're aware of what their emotions are and that we can connect because or teach them to connect, right? I don't know if, um, I mean, we need that so much because it's the lack of connection to our bodies, to our hearts, to what we want to say that ends up in such a sorrow, painful disconnect that we end up having to drink or eat a ton of food or shout till we drop or hustle, hustle, hustle to fill that hole that we just know something's happening Something's up and we don't know what's going on. So if you, you know, if you had a problem with substance abuse, food, overeating abuse, body image issues, over shopping abuse, <laughs> all of these things are part of filling in that hole. So this podcast, my story, what I teach is never about just alcohol. I mean, that's an intense substance. It does numb you up, messes up your liver, and can get you in a lot of trouble. Honestly, I don't even know why that's legal, and psilocybin is not. And marijuana is now, yes, but it's um, this, the stigma is still so powerful in so many other countries. And there's a lot of different plant medicines that help you connect Unlike alcohol, alcohol never helps you connect, I don't think. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think it helps you connect. It just kind of, you know, softens you and gets you in your body, but then you don't know. I don't think it's a healing drug, is what I'm saying. There's some healing medicines and there's not, there's some that are not so healing. Um, and so the, the, the main the main recovery programs that I'm going to go through is like the full, complete abstinence program of 12 steps. Where part of the system there is complete and full abstinence, one day at a time, one minute at a time, one hour at a time, and you go to these meetings and you do these steps and you do an inventory of your life and you ask forgiveness for all the shit you created and then you ask forgiveness to yourself and then you, you know, you have a meditation or a prayer, whatever, higher power. And it's cool, but I... It was so suffocating, and it's very cool now to see so many other women staying, getting, you know, making a choice to not drink. Because sometimes when you're just down the line and have to go to the rehab or the, you know, the, the hospital, well, from there maybe you do need to sit in some super structured environment for a while to just get the message in that you can do this and you don't need to be drinking. So have enough space sobriety in your brain and then make a choice okay I'm going to meditate I'm going to go to yoga I'm going to go to therapy I'm going to go to um, different modalities women's circles drumming circles trauma release circles and then continue to stay connected to other people that are not um, drinking if that's your if that's your jam or that are not overeating or that are you know watching consciously what they think about their body and yes we all need community we all need groups and a long time ago, I remember we have this um, this friend of us who gave us a book called Rational Recovery, which was a lot of brain work and connection about why, you know, like talking yourself out of going to use or to drink 
And at that time, so many years ago, I thought, this is ridiculous, dude. You need to go to the meetings. There's no other way but to sit in circle with like-minded people or people that want the same release, the same freedom, liberation from these addictions. And that's just the only way. You have to go to these meetings. And then, of course, you know, my story is eight years or nine years into a complete, full, sober abstinence of everything and just doing the program, doing the meditation every freaking day. I, you know, I don't know. I went on the trip and I slipped and I had a couple glasses of wine at dinner and nothing happened. But I came back and I told the meeting and it was a shame from hell. It was like, you are done. Oh, man, you had all that time. Now you're going to have to start over. You can't be a speaker anymore. You blah, blah, blah. And it was, oh, D, thanks. I mean, I think I have in my, of course, this is my experience, right? So whatever is your gig is your gig. But for me, I had done so much internal work. And it, and I realized some of the things that I know now are being taught by, like, amazing um, mind-body connection teachers Gabor Mate is one of them. A um, lot of trauma-informed, uh, experienced teachers as well. Um, Tara Brack, Jack Cornfield. So there's different ways that I now see are a possibility of healing and connection instead of just going to these, what I consider now, super religious groups. <laughs> And they have to be, you know, sometimes you just have to be. I mean, there's other recovery programs where you go and and you go to the church, right? And so you leave one addiction for the addiction of this belief system that only the Lord Jesus, nine pound baby is going to save you. And you give yourself to the Lord and there's all of these things and super duper fundamentalist giving your life and attention to this religion so that you can stay sober. And so you're just grasping onto a different type of drug and I and you're not still connecting to your own heart because now you've gone from one set of needs to another. But again, in the beginning, if that keeps you out of, you know, shooting up heroin, well, great. It's a journey. It's a journey. That's one of the beautiful things about looking back and seeing all the things you've done and then speaking to them. Hopefully they're helpful for another person. And everything is part of the experience. So, you know, if um, the main thing that we get taught is you have a disease, you have a problem, you can't stop spending, having sex, shopping, drinking alcohol, whatever, whatever your addiction is, you know, put it in the box. And then there's something wrong with you. And so you, you go to, you know, like when I came back from that one trip and now there's something wrong with me again. Now I'm a loser again. Now I drank again. Or you go to the jail because you get a DUI and the system that puts you back into this horrible journey of stream of shame. Oh, you're again. You did it again. You can't keep your shit together. You ate that cake. You bought those boots you don't need. There you go. More stuff on the credit card. You used again. So it's a constant cultural reminder of what a dork you are. It's like a separation and it keeps that distance of connection wider and wider and wider. So all of our jails are full of people that are really just struggling with 
the connection of their body and they go out and use. When there's so many more different ways, I believe, of approaching this. So the pipeline, right, from school to prison. I mean, how many people, how many of my clients, how many of our friends are in there just because, you know, they had too much to drink or started using a little extra, you know, toxic substances without realizing that they're just running away from a, from the from the really deep root of it all is disconnection. And we disconnect because when we're young, whenever a traumatic event happens, something clicks in your body that says, I can't. This is too much. You can't be two, three-year-olds and your mom doesn't look at you and doesn't hold you, leaves you in the, in, the, in the crib or wherever you're at crying or someone forgets to pick you up at school or the expectations of performance um, of your parents are just so high and that's the only time you get a hug or a, or a, or a high five and yeah, yeah, they'll tell you, you know, you're great. But so many different messages that can come in when we're young that the body freezes up, the soul just says, I can't, I can't stay with you. This is too much. One of the things Gabor Mate says, it's um, the human pain. So the question is not why the addiction, but why the pain? And the source of pain is always and invariably to be found in a person's lived experience, beginning with childhood. So it's, of course, depending on your life situation, but, you know, I'd have friends in, in the groups and the meetings, staying sober, including me, where your parents would say, well, I can't believe you're doing this because you had everything. You had a roof over your head, you had most food, you paid for your school, and here you are embarrassing me with this bullshit. <laughs> um, never considering their own pain and their parents' pain, and their great-grandparents' pain. This is an ancestral issue. And I think it's funny when they say, well, it's in your DNA, you know, you have the alcoholism DNA, you're going to you're fucked, you're going to be an alcoholic. How about we talk about the pain that my grandmother had, that her grandmother had, that her great-grandmother had, the oppression, the systems of not allowing them to study, to be free, to know that they were going to be taken care of no matter what they did or wore or chose. All of that oppression, however subconscious it might be or not, all of that pain gets dished out to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. So I don't really think it's in your DNA chemically, oh, you have a little sip of wine and then, oh, oh gosh, I'm an alcoholic. It's in my DNA and now my blood is... I do think it's more of running away from a certain kind of pain. And the trauma, which is your body freaking out, tensing up um, from, from fear, from pain, from abandonment. And, you know, when you're little or whenever an event happens to you, perspective is everything. So it's how you receive things. You have three kids in the same family and they're all going to figure it out in a different way. When your little body, when your little heart says, I have to take care of everyone or, or no one's going to love me. I have to, you know, be the thinnest. I have to run super fast. I have to make everyone laugh. Um, my mom really likes it when I'm doing these flips over here in the gymnastics thing. I better be the best at it. 
different uh, agreements and choices that you make when you're young that you don't really realize are happening. And then when you grow older, you're in this body that is so full of protection and the protection gets into the tissue. So the protection, the body gets so tense. That's why people, oh, I need a drink. Oh, I need to stuff myself with pizza and ice cream because that way my belly is so full that, oh, I'm just sitting there watching Netflix, not feeling anything. There's a different sensation now. Now your body's full. Now you're grounded. Now your weight, I mean, it's not the most healthiest way to ground, but that's really what's happening. You're getting in ugh, the weight of the body. You can't move. You're not thinking anymore. You're numbed out. You go to the doctor. You tell him you're sad. That this is happening. That that's happening. Nobody asks you, what do you eat? How did you grow up? Did you have pain when you were young? Like, you know, what was happening in your family and your, your neighbors? No. Here's a pill. Here's a pill. Here's an antidepressant. You come back in a month. It's not working. Let me give you another one. Oh, that's not working? Let me give you another one and then try this one too. You have anxiety? Here's another pill. The amount of addiction of opioids in the United States, and I'm assuming in the rest of the world, is insane because we are just trying to run away from the pain without going into, without going into it, basically, basically. And the evolution of recovery, what I've seen is through many, many years of first, of course, you do what you do, what you need to do. Complete abstinence, whatever, complete yoga, complete hiking, whatever you choose to hold on to to assist your journey into looking inside, connecting to your heart, and not running to that drink or that shopping or that big cake whenever things are not going your way, which is probably, for the most of us, probably 80% of the day. <laughs> it's not always going to be what we want. It shouldn't be. Life happens for us, not to us. There's lessons to learn. There's things to do. And when, um, you know, the plant medicine Iboga, which is illegal in the United States, well, maybe it's not. I'm not really sure. But most of the clinics that help with addiction of heroin and highly addictive opiates, like Oxycontin and all these other drugs, even alcoholism too, they... Um, they're in Canada, Panama, Mexico, and Europe, Spain, London. I mean, there are so many other places. But this is a plant medicine that you take, and it relieves the addiction of heroin, of Oxycontin, so many drugs. And then with integration, people are staying clean off of it. And why are we not hearing of it? So, you know, I, we began to study this, I don't know, about four or five years ago. Because, of course, when you're in NA, you're in the 12 steps meetings, all drugs are drugs, all drugs are drugs. Not in Alcoholics Anonymous. Because over there, everyone takes antidepressants and anxiety pills because they're only trying to stay clean of alcohol. In Narcotics Anonymous, they're trying to stay clean of everything. And so, sometimes it's necessary, yes. Of course, you need the medication to get you through. But the, the stigma that the medication is okay and that's having a sit in a beautiful set and setting with people that have done the work and can hold space to sit for a psilocybin Nino Santos mushroom sit or ceremony to allow this plant medicine to 
get in there and just release some of these memories in your tissues and take you to that place of reconnecting to yourself and to love and to remembering that you are always loved and have always been loved and that you get to connect. These medicines connect you to the body. And I have to tell you, I've been practicing yoga and meditation for years. I don't know what I'd do without it. It's part of my journey. I love it. It's like a devotion thing for me. It's so beautiful. Yet sitting with psilocybin has opened up an even deeper connection to this practice. It's intensely beautiful and it's so feared. And the reason I'm here talking about it is because even me for a long time was like, well, we can't do that. That's, I did that when I was in my 20s. I mean, that's, you know, um, in recovery, clean and sober, can't do that. But if you've done the work and you choose to try this model of recovery, I totally encourage you to find the right person, the right setting, and try it. It is, it's illegal for a reason. Somebody out there doesn't want you to know that you can connect this deeply into your body, that you can remember the love that maybe you didn't see way before. That there is this release that happens in your tissues of trauma. And yes, you know, they're now using psilocybin to treat post-traumatic stress disorder in veterans. They're using it for depression because the studies don't lie. And yeah, you use them as fun. I don't really think you can go out, you should go out there and just eat a bunch of mushrooms and see what happens. Definitely, there's work that needs to be hand in hand with this. And, but you'll know, I mean, if you're in, if you're trying to stay in a pathway of wellness, if you're fighting for your mental health and don't want to depend on, you know, Xanax or antidepressants all for the rest of your life, because I tell you those, those pills, you have to take them for the rest of your life, which means in my opinion, that they don't really work. They help you stay, you know in the flat line or maybe above it, but are, are they really doing the deep transformation that maybe a plant medicine journey would or, or working with energy work, working with shamans, working with other modalities that aren't mainstream? Because the destructive emotions and the emotional intelligence don't, I don't know if they can happen when our body chemistry is, is, um, is stunted, is numbed out. So it's, you know, it's available. It's possible. I'm living it. I can, I can, I'm 100% a witness. Plus I've seen tens of hundreds of people recovering a different modality. So yes, this is the evolution. You know, there's meetings, there's rehabs, there's, you know, the victory outreach people. I'm sure there's other modalities that I haven't heard of that are not here right now. And I'm not saying don't do this or don't do that or my way is the only way. The, the, the message coming in today is that this is an evolution. So it's a process, right? You, you, you start however you need to start. And you keep moving into the direction of cultivating wellness and emotional intelligence and noticing that destructive emotions... are a trauma response. 
Destructive emotions are is you yourself telling yourself the same things you heard when you were little that made you disconnect from your body to begin with. So mindfully, you know, noticing them, welcoming these emotions, being very compassionate about it, questioning, okay, where's that from? Where's that from? Okay, and practicing staying in your body. Practicing staying in your body is the biggest one. And, you know, mindfulness, yoga, dancing, movement, somatic work, breath work, all of these things help you stay in your body and release. Psilocybin and different plant medicines as well in the correct set and setting. The main, the most important issue, at least for me, has been continuing to do the work, continuing to study, to sit and meditate, really, to just sit with yourself and listen, and to seek different um, innovations. Like, I mean, Gabor Mate blew my mind four or five years ago when I first read him. Prior to that, it was Brene Brown. Prior to that, it was Rob Bell. Prior to that, I mean, it's just different people, different books, different teachings. And also, going back to the ancestral work. What did your mother and father have to go through? What did their mother and father have to go through? What did their mother... Understanding that it's not their fault. There's no one's fault. I mean, it's just, it's, these are things that are passed down. And that when we heal, as above, so below. So as I get better, I release my parents. They get better. And as I get better, my children are going to get better. So many parents call me and they bring me their teenagers for coaching. I need you to help them. I don't know. They saw your video. They like you. And the first thing I say is absolutely. I love working with teens. They're the best. They're so smart. They're so woke, and here we are as adults trying to shut them up and make sure they do what we want, <laughs> which is the main problem, in my opinion. Instead of connecting to ourselves as adults and then seeing how we can show them to connect to themselves. So, yeah, you come here, you bring me your kid, absolutely. I'll, I love working with kids. But how about you and I work together, too? Or you go do some work or go to a retreat or try some yoga or, because the kid needs to see that you're also in this journey of evolution, of wellness, of trying to get better. Otherwise, the message is, well, the kid is messed up. You go fix him. Because over here at the house, there's no issues. And all of the issues stem from the house. It's from the beginning of this recognition of pain, of that sorrow. I can't. My soul cannot. I can't deal with this. I need out. I need the cough syrup. I need a drink. I need that cigarette. I need something. I need to eat the whole refrigerator because I just can't with this pain. So the, mesh, the, the biggest message here is it's not a bad thing. You're not a bad person. You're not a loser. You're not a can't do this. No. It's all about looking into that pain and questioning, okay, where does this come from? What is a lived experience that I can go back to accompanied with a gentle spiritual director, a therapist, a coach, a friend who's been a little bit further along me than on this road and 
very softly touch that pain and, 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 and have so much compassion for it. Begin to journal about it. Begin to, to, to notice. It's the best thing we can do here. We don't have that much time. <laughs> it's time to get in there and, um, and take care of ourselves. Stay with yourself. That was my mantra yesterday. We had a really cool, beautiful full moon release and the magic, magic mindfulness class. And the mantra was, please stay. Please stay with yourself. So when I say, please stay, that's the prayer. Stay with me. Stay with grace. Stay in my heart. Don't put on a mask and pretend I'm someone else so that this and that. No. If I have anxiety or I feel, okay, stay with grace. What does, I, what does she need? She needs to dance, to move, to meditate, to call a friend. Drink some cacao. But stay. When you choose to stay, yeah, it's going to be intense at times because these emotions is what we've been fighting and avoiding for so long. But sometimes you can just begin to stay five minutes, then six minutes, then 20 minutes until you stay with yourself all the way forever. We're going to fall out of it once in a while. Of course, it's a human condition. Oh my gosh, the programming is intense. But we keep downloading new software, staying, staying, staying. Trusting that you've known all along that this wasn't right. That you needed a deeper connection to yourself and to love. Letting go, forgiving of all these other people. And forgiving doesn't mean that you put people off the hook. It's like a forgiveness of, oh man, I've been so tense for 20, 30, 40 years, 15 years, whatever many years. I'm going to forgive myself for this tension. And see what I can do to release it. Ask for help. Ask for help. Reach out if you need help. I'm here. This is my jam. Covering coach from anything. You deserve a beautiful life. Even in intense, horrible situations. It's all about perspective. I will leave you with this, these few words from Viktor Franklin, astroneurologist who was in the concentration camps. Um, and wrote about his whole experience. He's just a beautiful soul. If you have not read him, you need to read him. Um, he says, when we're no longer able to change a situation, we're challenged to change ourselves, which I guess is the rock bottom when you're <laughs> in your full addiction. But he states, everything can be taken from a man or a woman or a person. Everything can be taken from a person, but one thing, the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's own way. It's all what we choose and you have a choice to choose yourself and to please stay. Thanks for joining Tales of Recovery. We'll see you next week. Um, please like, share, distribute, and give me your feedback and ask for help. If you need help, we're here to help. Take care. Ashe.